Welcome to another episode of Cyber Coast to Coast. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Craig Schober, and I'm uh, broadcasting from, well, northern New Jersey on the East Coast, obviously. And I'm joined by my brother, Scott Schober. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Hey, how you doing there, Craig? Great to All catch right. up with you here, even though we're only probably about an hour apart on the same coast here in the East Coast. Right. We don't want to break the illusion, <laughs> but you know, sometimes you got to, I guess, peel the curtain back to, to let people know that for the time being, uh, we're both in, uh, on the East coast, not that it really matters because you know, news is an international thing that's received immediately by everyone. So we can still deliver the same info in the same way. We're just a little closer now. That's all. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, we've got a great show in, uh, this week's episode and, uh, we're gonna, I'll do, I'll give you, let me give you a quick rundown first. Uh, but before I even do that, I want to mention that our sponsor this week is dark kryptonite. Uh, dark kryptonite is known for their ransom, stopping ransomware and malware and phishing attacks, uh, by eliminating Cybercrime, fraud, information warfare, and all that bad stuff in their track. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. And you can learn more. I think they've been updating their website more and more. This is kind of a, it's still a new product launch thing. So things are going to change and we hope to have them on the show soon to talk about it. Uh, uh, but their website, if you want to learn more, is darkkryptonite.com. Uh, kryptonite is spelled with a C. Uh, so, uh, a quick rundown. Uh, of course, we have. I think you knew we were going to get into something involving Twitter. Everything in the news comes back to Twitter these days. If it's not political, it's Twitter, and sometimes it's both political and Twitter. Anyway, this uh, first story uh, is about Twitter and uh, status uh, flooded with scams, people trying to get verified, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. A uh, second story is uh, Vodafone, uh, an Italian company, I believe. They had a big data breach, um, or did they? Well, we'll get, we'll get into some of the details there. Uh, and a uh, third story is a, a Dropbox. Uh, it's kind of a Dropbox, GitHub uh, combo uh, hack uh where uh, a lot of uh, apparently a lot of source code was revealed and uh we'll get into all those details too but uh well first let's start out with this uh this twitter story here um it, and it kind of ties right into our cyber tip of the week so we can kind of i guess jump in and out of that between in within the story you know um the, the first story it comes from info security magazine and uh, basically what i uh, what i gather is that there's a there, right now it's kind of a chaos uh cuz uh M musk has taken over twitter he owns it he could kind of make his own rules do what he wants but it's only been about a week so we're still in the chaos stage massive layoffs now uh, latest i just hear you know this is an unrelated story but now i hear that a lot of people that got laid off are being asked to come back because there was such a rush to lay off so many people that I think the chaos just led to the wrong people being fired and, and being get, you know sent the wrong message. And now they're saying, hold on, maybe you can come back. We might need you to you know fix some of the messes here and all that. So I think we're going to have another week or two of this is going to continue. 
the fallout from this chaos because Musk uh, seems to be one of those, like like Zuckerberg and um, a few of the other uh, Silicon Valley types. They like to move and break things and then come and then and then hopefully they can clean up the mess later down the line. But the most important thing, I think, especially what they want to show to the business community, to advertisers, to shareholders is we can make vast, big changes, sweeping changes very fast. And so we're, you know, re we're reactive. We're not a big, we're not like the government. We're not like slower moving giant companies. We are, uh, we make fast decisions and, and we can, we can get you a return on your investment quickly, you know, I, I guess for when you kind of break it all down. Uh, so apparently these, uh, scam messages and, and direct, direct messages, uh, are being sent to these Twitter users who are trying to get their, uh, their names, their accounts verified. And this is, this goes back to the blue check mark thing, mm -hmm. uh, which Twitter started this, I mean, since the beginning of Twitter, they had this thing. It was, it's always been broken. It's always been about kind of who, you know, not really, it's never, I don't think it was ever earned based on merit. I mean, in some cases I'm sure it was, but it's hard to prove it because everyone I've talked to about the blue check mark, uh, and everyone I've heard podcasting about it and, and just talking about it, how the process works, there's a lot of different stories. But in the end, usually someone says, oh, someone from Twitter reached out to me and said, oh, you want a blue check mark? I know someone or you're a friend of mine or whatever, and we'll get you a blue check mark. And they, they said, OK, sure, I'll, I'll get that. And, um, you know, the, for anyone who's not sure, the blue check mark is just a simple identifier that you are who you say you are. And mm -hmm. so you would think it would cut down on the amount of bots and spam and fraudulent accounts. But. It really hasn't because the latest stat I heard was something like only 400 and uh, a little over 400,000 blue check marks total have been uh, only established. And as we know, there's whatever, 300 million, 400 million Twitter yeah, users total. Yeah. yeah. Now, again, that, that blue mark, that blue check marks, that is, is no one can verify that. It's only that number is only gotten through. The fact that there's a blue checkmark account that Twitter runs. And so every time somebody gets their blue checkmark, Twitter says, oh, welcome to the family or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And so you can count the amount of tweets and the amount of accounts that have gotten them. So people might be getting them that we don't know about, or people might having them retracted that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. You, you kind of don't know because one, when Twitter wants to silence you, they can't on their particular network, they can. And then who's to say what really happened and, you know, the, the truth and all that stuff. So anyway, there's, um, you know, through kind of uh, phishing, you know, good old fashioned phishing attacks. Um, we're seeing uh, users are complaining that they're being hacked, getting weird messages. But of course, it might, you know, it might look like a, a legitimate message, but and it might or it might not be very legitimate. But when you're desperate for a blue check mark, I think a lot of these people are kind of throwing caution to the wind, clicking on links and saying, you know, what do I have to lose? I, I don't have a blue check mark now. I might as well I might as well roll the dice here and see if I can get one. And sure enough, I think they're they're bumping right into these uh, uh, scams and mm. and getting hacked. Um, you know, and then there's there's a whole uh, other story, ongoing story about well. 
Musk is going to, Musk has proposed, uh, first there was a $20 fee for, for a verified blue check mark. Now I think it's come down to $8 for that privilege. Bucks is the latest, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was going to add, Craig, I, th- I think it's kind of interesting. Mm. What what really created the blue check mark? I was doing a little research because I was just curious. It's been around for a while. And I, I think even we've tried because our, our accounts, we, we manage several different accounts for, through our company, Berkeley Viratronics, and I have a, a personal one too. And they, they're, you know, they're, there's tens of thousands of, of followers on it. And we crisscross the world of certainly cybersecurity, wireless threat detection, media. So we're kind of spread out in a couple of different camps. Um, but it is a bit of a process. It's, it's like, as you mentioned, it's who you know to get actually one of those. And, and when I did a little research looking back, they, they mentioned it was first introduced back in 2009. And it actually came about as a result of a, a lawsuit that happened that was filed against Twitter mm. because I guess it was a you know a famous baseball player or manager. I think it was the St. Louis Cardinals, if I'm right. Um, he sued Twitter um, because there was an imposter on the site. And when they responded, I guess, made their arguments, they, they came out with this new feature and to, to hopefully, I guess, settle and calm down the lawsuit and prevent future ones when there's our imposters and people trying to take credit um, over an account that's not really the legitimate one. And I think a lot of them over time, um, you'd see the name, the real so-and-so would, would also happen. People tried to solve the problem themselves by opening up another Twitter account when theirs was compromised or and all the other scams and problems that happened. So I think it's been a disaster from, from day one, unfortunately. Um, I, I don't personally have a problem it's only $8 a month. Sure. Hey, maybe it's more a vanity type of thing. It seems reasonable. And I guess more to the point of Elon Musk at the end of the day, he's a businessman. I mean, he, he wants to have the company run, you know, and be a successful business and, and actually make money. One of the articles I was reading said they're losing about $4 million per day. And hence that was the reason to really, start cutting things back and tightening up the ship and, and lay layoffs and other things like that in hopes to start to turn a profit and get this company to really grow. Um, so I guess these are some tough, tough steps that he has to take. And I, I guess I'm, I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but I think more to the point of the story, I think everybody right now is not the time to try to go get verified and, and go down the, uh, the rabbit hole only to find out it's a scam or something else. You're probably better off to wait for the dust to settle till the company settles a little bit before you try to dive in and start paying a fee. Cause you may accidentally be paying a fee to the wrong person or a scammer from, from what we see a lot of scammers. They, they, they love this because this is hot in the news. If you look at the hashtags, what everybody's searching, it's all about Twitter and verified status and layoffs. And that's a big story. So just the, the word of caution, I think we could kind of tie that into the, as you mentioned there, the tip of the week, look out for Twitter scams, especially anything and everything, whether it's a phone call an email direct message on, on Twitter, which would be the most likely way you'd probably get it. You really use caution. Be careful. You don't click or get a redirect because it's probably a scam. Right. And the parallels I think continue there because uh, going back, this is several years back, we got you a Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. you know, because you're a public speaker, you do events, you have a vested interest in letting uh, people who might hire you to speak or consult, they have to know that you're the genuine article, you know, you can't, you don't want to introduce any kind of 
fraud or or a different person that says, no, I'm the real Scott Schilbert. No, I'm the real, you know. And so it's very important that people like you, you should have a blue check mark. You should have had that all along. And mm-hmm. I've I've reached out to Twitter and tried to get that and gotten hit, hit, hit a wall several times. Mm-hmm. And the latest for years, the past few years actually, it there's there's the blue check mark system, the badge, whatever you want to call it, it's just broken. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. And they even say it themselves. But I mentioned that. Um, it's a parallel to phishing. It reminds me of, you know, our, our cyber tip against these type of attacks, because what did I do? I didn't look, I didn't respond to some, uh, you know, direct message from some rando, some shady character saying, I can get you a, you know, no, I went to Twitter website, navigated through all their pages, found the specific area where it says, you know, their FAQs. How do I get a blue? How do I get the badge? How do I get this blue check mark to to verify it? Followed all their steps, reached out to them through all the you know proper email addresses they list and everything, and yeah, I hit a dead end. But the point is, I didn't just click on a link and try to take a shortcut because that's how you get caught in phishing attacks when you don't stop, you know, slow down and think about what you're doing. You just kind of rush ahead and click on links. Yeah, yeah, no, so sure. it's, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's you know, it's interesting, and I still, I still, I, I like Twitter as a platform. Um, I, I do have to say, over the years I've been using it, I've been very, very frustrated because I do notice there's a, a higher percentage of the bots on there and, and fake accounts and people trying to do all kinds of weird, wacky stuff that that are not blocked and and they waste your time. And who has the time to report all these these people doing? immoral things or perverted things or crazy things or political things. You, you just can't, you can't police it. You, you want to get on the platform, get off. A few of the stats I came across that were, were kind of interesting to me. Um, Twitter has kind of gone down the ranks. It's now the 15th most popular social media site. And and sites like Facebook are actually more popular. Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, uh, Pinterest, they're actually above uh, uh, the users and popularity now of Twitter because Twitter, I think, was one of the more popular ones of a few years back. And people have been kind of leaving Twitter slowly. Now, I guess we'll see what happens with with Musk at the helm, what's going to happen and, and some of the things that he promised. It may may give it a shot in the arm and turn it around. It would be interesting. And the, the other stat that stood out in my mind that I, I came across an article was that it said 10% of Twitter users are responsible for 92% of the tweets. I, I think that's interesting. So it shows kind of a small number of people. And, and I don't know if you have to compare it, say there's roughly 400, um, so about 400 million Twitter users, I think is about the average, the estimate. That means about what 40 million people are tweeting each and every day. Mm-hmm. And that represents the majority of all the tweets. So That's when you odd. add in the, yeah, it's very strange. It's very, I, very would, shifted. I almost don't believe it because if there was a, if there truly was a bot problem, wouldn't it be much great? Wouldn't, wouldn't there be millions of bots, which they claim there are, wouldn't those be responsible for 40% of all the tweets or something? I don't know. Yeah. It's, just, it's a, it's a hard one to fathom, but. That's exactly what I was thinking. And there's, and, and that's part of the problem. There's no easy way to actually measure it from a public standpoint. You have to believe in them and the numbers and, and what marketers and social media people are saying. Do people still spend money on Twitter advertising? Absolutely. A few of them pulled back and they're waiting to see how the dust is going to settle. 
Um, but, but they have to find a way to generate revenue and keep it a secure platform and, and be, be aware that they have to also, they're acting as a, as a medium for um, news and putting out news. And I think they said, uh, what is the average person spends about six minutes a day on Twitter for a, a valid Twitter user. So you got six minutes to put the, the news and the headlines in front of somebody to, to engage them or keep them on the platform. That's a tough task, but I think that part they actually do pretty well. It's getting all the, the other things in line and fixed is going to be a monumental task. But if anyone's up for it, I think Musk is. Yeah. Um, and it's also, uh, we should move on. I just want to say one yeah. more thing yeah, sure. uh, before we move on that it's interesting that it's, I think you have to make the distinction that it's, you said it ranks 15th in terms of popularity, I guess, in terms of the user base, they're just counting numbers of users, but in terms of, um, how much it affects life, how influential it is on world events, you could easily argue it's number one, which is strange because I think both both parties I've heard claim that the main reason that uh, Trump was elected in 2016 was because of his like deft you know Twitter use, you know, like him or hate him. Everyone kind of agrees that he's mastered that you know, kind of short blurb to get people riled up to get them to vote or, or whatever, sure. whatever, whatever he needs. And so you have on the one hand, you have Twitter, that's the, you know, the 15th most, most popular network in the world. And on the other hand, it might be the number one most influential thing going on right now. And I think that's why we're seeing so much spotlight focused on Musk. You know, what's he going to do? Because if you could take a flailing social media that's already hugely influential and now build up its user base, build up its ad revenue, build up its just media attention. Um, I think you have something that's probably too powerful for its own good. And it's, I think regulators are already looking at it. They're already saying like, what can we, what can we do? Cause this thing is going to go from DEFCON five to DEFCON zero, like very soon if Musk gets his way. So it, it's going to be interesting to see just how fast, if they grow fast and how fast they'll grow and, and all that yeah. stuff. You know, I, I think it's true. And, and one, the other thing that, that kind of stands out to me before we jump into our next thing is if, if you take a moment and just look at Elon Musk, what he's doing with, what, before Twitter, before he owned Twitter, now that, that he's kind of at the, at the helm, um, he tweets often throughout the day, every couple of hours. And it reminds me almost of a... a like Donald Trump, a, a, a means to vent, to be sarcastic, to criticize, um, to brag at times about you know success of the other businesses. He he's right now currently just shy of 115 million followers. That's a pretty big spread of of people out there in the world thinking about just the United States alone. What do we have about 300 million people here? I mean, that, that's mm -hmm. a huge, when you got 115 million followers that are, you know, hand, hand delivered messages right to their smartphone real time uh, about SpaceX, about, you know, Tesla, about Twitter, whatever it is that he's talking about um, or criticizing someone about, that's really powerful. And mm -hmm. um, I think the platform is, is going to go through some crazy times probably, but hopefully it'll survive and, and improve so everybody can, uh, 
enjoy it. And at the same time, maybe they could become profitable. So probably enough said on that, but let's, uh, let's kind of keep following that story and see how it unfolds over the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we move on to our next story, just want to remind listeners once again, that uh, this episode and the past uh, several episodes have been sponsored by Dark Kryptonite. You can learn all about Dark Kryptonite, all about how they scour the dark web and look for all types of uh, uh, malware and exploits and and things out there. Uh, You learn about them by going on their website, darkkryptonite.com. Kryptonite is spelled with a C. Let's see what we got here. This next story, uh, you know, this one jumped out to me because I feel like maybe I'm crazy, but this is this goes way back to Berkeley days before we were doing really wireless security and, and stuff like this. Did we do uh, did we work with Vodafone? We did some work with them, right? Way, you know, 25, yes. 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. it, yes. And it was a long time ago, decades ago. We did do some work for them. Um, and it goes back to probably the days of our early wireless uh, test equipment. And, and again, Vodafone is, is really a, um, it's, a, I guess, a, a British company primarily, but it's got strong ties throughout Europe and Africa and even over to Oceania, I guess, Australia. And um, it's kind of interesting how big they are. And they're, what are the 40 plus billion dollar company? So it's not small potatoes. It may be the likes of, we're, we're familiar here in the U.S., AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon, you go over to Europe, yeah, certainly Vodafone was well-known by everyone, and their dominant standard was really uh, GSM over there, which has slowly migrated from from GSM into 3G, third-generation stuff, to 4G LTE, and now everybody's migrating over to a global standard of 5G. Uh, communications, which is interesting, but yeah, we've we've had a relationship with them and sold some of our stimulus transmitters and receivers to their different groups for actually building out the cell towers uh, a number of years back. All right, good, good to know. I'm not crazy. I do. I remember. I remember the name, but I, I suspect if you asked most Americans, they wouldn't have a clue who Vodafone was. But yeah. most, like you said, most Europeans probably would. Uh, but apparently. Uh, well, they've disclosed anyway, their Italian division, that there was a massive data breach and the reseller was hacked. Uh, now, they, again, you can't, can't get, seem to get away from Twitter, but uh, the group responsible, believed to be responsible for the breach is Kelvin Security, which I looked up. And it's funny because they're on Twitter. Like, I mean, yeah, they're, they're a gray hat hacker. So I guess you could say sometimes they're not always the bad guys, but... You know they're they they're believed to be responsible, and they've been responsible for plenty of hacks in the past. I just thought it was funny how they're living kind of on Twitter, but in a sense, even if you're dealing with whether you're dealing with you know criminals or terrorists, you still need some line of communication with them, yeah. I suppose. So they just they live they live there, and they live in on the dark web, I'm sure, and underground, and all those places too. Um, in, in any case. Uh, this this group, Kelvin Security, uh, posted about 310 gigs or 300,000 files worth of data. Um, uh, the Vodafone group uh, announced that they had not found any proof that the data belonged to the company, but uh, since then uh, they disclosed that this you know is a, a legitimate, I guess, data breach. 
um, and that it was uh, there were there's going to be a number of there was fishing campaign fishing hacking campaigns uh, and expect to see that increase because once they as we know once they have your email they have some kind of credentials which any cellular uh, company is going to require from their customers and even their own employees internally once you have that list expect phishing attacks expect the uh, hackers to come at you from all angles because they have one or more pieces of information about you. So they know how to reach you. They might know a little more about you and then they could kind of lure you in uh, through a phishing attack and get you to click on that malware, get you to click on that link, which is then gonna scrape your data even more. And then you know, from there they could sell it. They could use that to break into your other accounts and that kind of thing. I don't know. What, what did you get any, uh, did you have any, any takeaways from this other than what, is this like a standard breach kind of thing to you or what? Yeah. And I think the part that's kind of interesting is that when, you know, this, and cause this has been going on, they've already been hacked and breached in the past. This is a more recent one. This was, was back in 2020. They were mid 2020. They were breached um, a data leak. They had, in this particular case, I guess Vodafone, the Italian uh, group, did some quick um, investigation, and they denied they didn't find any evidence of any unauthorized access into the, the company system. But they would continue to investigate it. So, and is that to, to kind of calm customers and shareholders and other people and stay out of the news, perhaps? But then, as a response to that, it was really uh, Kelvin Security that said, "Okay." You're going to play that game. Then we're going to sell this data. We're going to put it out there. And I think they pushed it out through Telegram and some other channels and, and to kind of, hey, prove we're not just, you know, um, making this claim. We've really got some some something here. And I think it's important for all companies to be extra careful not to jump to conclusions and deny things because that, that seems to be a, a, a common response. Maybe, maybe it's through the PR department or directed down through the, you know, the CISO or whatever, and they're saying, "Hey, don't don't admit to anything here. Don't don't comment or or, or just deny it. Maybe we'll see if we can get by this one." You really can't. You got to do your investigation um, post breach. Find out what happened, what was compromised, what are the best steps to take to keep your customers happy, to keep your shareholders happy, to keep it from happening again. So it sounds like a little bit of confusion may have ensued following this, and it looks like uh, maybe uh, Kelvin Security is saying, "Okay." Let me let me put some of this uh, data out there for sale and see see what actually happens. Maybe we'll get some money for it. So it's a little bit of a, a, a kind of a peeing contest back and forth. It sounded like to me when I was reading the different stories as it was breaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as we know, incident response. You know, the response to these supposed breaches. Uh, it's so important, um, and companies. It seems like companies that don't learn their lesson are doomed to, to get the, you know, hit with the stick, you know, the big, the yeah. worst lesson, they might not go bankrupt. They might not disappear, but what could have been only a hundred million dollars in damages, for instance, turns into a $500 million bill yeah. of damages. And they just don't seem to learn from their own mistakes. And it's it, not even clear they're learning from others mistakes. So I never, I don't understand what's to gain 
unless they're trying to buy more time, it, you kind of deny, 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 you know, yeah, to hope that something goes away. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard to know yeah. what's going on in their heads except to panic. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I, I always kind of, well, I talk a lot to different audiences and I, I love to share the analogy of like back in the days, the early days of breaches, what I call like the credit card breaches with Target and JP Morgan and such. And, and I think going back there, to, to that time period, companies have responded quickly and made right decisions. I think with JP Morgan, I mean, they're already viewed as one of the most secure banks in the world. And, and, and the CEO at the time, Jamie Dimon, he took immediate steps and formed, they're going to spend this much more money. I think it was like a half a billion dollars toward improved security to really reinforce it to his customers that, hey, w- we made mistakes. Here's, here's where we were a little lax in security. Here's what happened. Here's what we're going to do going forward so this doesn't happen again. And that really builds trust when, when you can provide a steady stream of explaining to your customer, to your shareholders, to your staff, what happened, what was done wrong, and how it's going to be corrected. And that's sometimes really what people want more, a company that can communicate the things and not deny and hide behind things or make excuses they, they, they want the straight. They're, they're tired of hearing politicians and everybody else out there making up and spinning stories. They just want to know what happened and how safe is their data? How safe is their money? How safe is, you know, they're tied to this company? And that's a decision point. Hey, I'm going to stay and, and reward this company by doing business with them again, or I'm going to run and go to the competition. So it's decision time, I think. And it sounds to me like maybe some of this from, from reading the different headlines of the stories here at Vodafone Italy there wasn't clear direction uh, what happened and there still isn't because it's not really clear how this leak happened. How did they get in? Um, it, it appears like, yeah, it happened through phishing, hacking and this and that, but it's turning into a, a PR nightmare, I think. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it and see yeah. maybe hopefully they'll come to their senses and kind of take do do what's expected of them as a you know multi-billion dollar international company um hopefully yeah and this oh i, I might not have mentioned but that that story came direct from bleepingcomputer.com so uh always a good source um let's uh i guess let's move on to our third story uh but for first uh let's remind our listeners once again that dark kryptonite is uh stops ransomware malware and phishing attacks in their tracks uh, eliminate cybercrime fraud and information warfare and learn all about it on darkkryptonite.com kryptonite spelled with a c uh third story uh i found on securityaffairs.co uh dropbox discloses unauthorized access to 130 github source code repositories now, apparently, in this story, um, well, let me just read some bullet points first, just to kind of set the the, the tone. Dropbox announced that hackers uh, breached over 100 code repositories that the company uses in GitHub. So, you know, good on Dropbox. They were, uh, I guess, transparent. Um, they claimed no uh, personal data was stolen during this breach. Um, and of course, once again, I guess I guess we could have we could have just easily made our um, cyber tip of the week 
phishing attacks. Uh, and it kind of was in a way, because once again, we have another phishing uh, attack used. Um, they, uh, in addition, Dropbox announced that the hacking campaign didn't manage to steal personal information, uh, including passwords, usernames, emails, etc. Um, and they also wanted to say that the hackers likely attempted to steal multi-factor authentication codes, which I find kind of strange because aren't those? That seems uh, that's a pretty that's good, that's a quick operation to run in there because aren't multi-factor authentication codes like those are invalid sometimes just minutes after they're issued right they're basically basically tokenized sort of passwords that are irrelevant minutes after they're issued so this would have to be a really quick you know hacking campaign if if they're going to get any value out of those right yeah yeah you're you're absolutely right and um and this is it's kind of an interesting article and, and um, research done on this, on this story. And I have to give credit because it's actually uh, one of my cyber colleagues that I, I've talked with often over the years, and I'm going to probably mess up his pronunciation of his name. So I apologize, but I think it's Pierluigi Pang Panganini is the, uh, is the, um, I guess the one behind all of this development and, and this security affairs website. And I get a lot of good information um, from him. He's, he's been there many years and provides a lot of editorial and a lot of um, breaches and weighs in on and stuff. He's based out of Italy, um, but, but certainly interesting information. But to your point, um, yeah, the codes are kind of quick. So what does it tell you? It tells you that somebody that understands things a little bit more technical and they have to be doing hacking real time. To, to intercept perhaps a code and it could be some type of SIM swapping or something. If it's a, a one-time code that's sent to maybe a phone where they're trying to fool somebody else's phone. So it's an elaborate um, scheme where they really have to think ahead and orchestrate it. And it's more of a, of a targeted or spear phishing type of attack when they're trying to gather all this information so they could move in and, and take over an account so it's uh, it's a little more dangerous, that's for sure. That that those type always scare me because there's probably not a lot you can do to prevent that. It, it, they're a little bit more advanced than your average hacker that's just trying to buy and sell stolen credit cards or buy and sell stolen passwords or things of that sort. So the antennas go up, and a lot of caution needs to be put out there. Yeah, a few things about the even just the headline alone got my antennas up. Yeah, uh, I saw I saw Dropbox. I was like, uh oh, we use Dropbox. <laughs> let me go check. Let me make sure our account, everything's safe and sound over there. And of course, you know, millions of other companies and per individuals use Dropbox daily. Um, it's a you know, Dropbox itself is a repository for data. A lot of it's you know, confidential, personal, and all that stuff. Uh, and the second thing I noticed was that it is that it these by hacking. Uh, phishing uh, Dropbox, these um, they gain access to GitHub source code repository, which is another giant you know repository of code. In, in this case, it's usually source code for major uh, companies, you know, generally software companies, of course. Um, and so I, I, it reminded me of, uh, I think about, I don't know, it might have been like three or four months ago, we did a story about a some kind of hacker that was kind of pissed off that 
they didn't it was like it was kind of a personal vendetta type story so it was a it was like small potatoes type stuff but it was a hacker that was pissed off that uh they didn't get i don't know the raise they wanted or something like that they didn't get credit for something and so they ended up posting some kind of um some kind of malware onto the onto uh the github for the company they i guess had previously worked in uh i'm, I'm sure i'm getting some of the details of the story wrong but that was a general gist of it and so it just it reminded me all over again how um when you have these big entities that are warehousing so much important ip and and data um how crucial it is that they uh you know maintain best security practices and the people that have access to these storehouses you know have to maintain best security practices and those people more than anyone even more than individual users um they have to understand the uh you know the ta tar targeting uh attack vectors that lead to things like you know phishing attacks and understand how to best navigate those and you know don't make don't make dumb mistakes that individuals might make because when an individual makes a dumb mistake they just get hacked when someone in charge of you know gigabytes and gigabytes of of uh customer data or source code when they make a mistake now you have millions of people affected so uh we have to uh, keep them in our thoughts and make sure that those people are not, uh, you know, not uh, falling for these attacks as easily as regular uh, users. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And I, I always just kind of reflect on how, how much money, time and energy it takes to build up a strong brand and to build up that trust. And then sometimes a breach is this or, or a series of uh, poorly communicated things when you're hacked just breaks that down and trust disappears and people just run from it because they're afraid. So I think it just goes to show we need to all safeguard our data, our, you know, our company's data. And if we have customers or personal information, whatever it is, the, the secret sauce to keep our company going, the intellectual property, whatever we need to all do our best to, to protect it, keep it safe, and keep it out of uh, harm's way from, from cyber criminals because they're just constantly looking for every way it, they can to get in and, and steal it. So, um, all right, yeah, good stuff. A uh, couple, couple good stories that glad we had a chance to uh, to at least share. Yeah. Uh, before we go, um, I don't know if you have anything up and coming, but I do know that. You recently had a few appearances, uh, namely, uh, was that that was a ABC local ABC news affiliate? You did a thing on uh, ransomware kits appearing on the dark web. Um, people can find that on uh, your on the website scottshilber.com. I think I even posted it on uh, bbsystems.com. Right. And if if you're a subscriber to our newsletter, you can expect to get an email blast about that soon too, where you'll get to view the you know the video. Uh, all the all the gruesome details and get a peek at the dark web if you're curious to what it looks like they they do a deep dive into it you know yeah and i and i think that's that that's kind of neat because that that piece it was nice because you also were able to help me and we we dove into the dark web and and did a fair amount of 
the research for for that piece alone and uh, they had the kind of the exclusive on it to see some things and talk about ransomware as a kit and ransomware as, as a service. So a lot of people just hear about ransomware and they think about it's a, a simple, hey, a small business is targeted, they got to pay a ransom. But we dive into a little bit more deeper what how, how the, the cyber criminals really thrive in the dark web and how they're not, not just um, extorting money from, from people and companies, but how they've set up this business empire. So it's a fascinating story. And I think uh, they did a really good job. This was ABC out of the DC uh, offices in the investigative part of the story and putting it all together. So yeah, please check that out. Love to, to hear people's uh, feedbacks or answer any questions that may come up if you if you have any problems with uh, ransomware. All right. Um, I guess that wraps up this, this episode. Uh, before before I go, uh, just want to uh, mention Dark Kryptonite one more time. Uh, that's Dark Kryptonite. Kryptonite is with a C. So go to darkkryptonite.com and learn all about their services. Uh, this podcast, uh, well, we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Apple, Amazon, and more. I think the list keeps growing. Uh, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and definitely review, send a review, send your questions, comments. Uh, you can reach us. I think the best ways to reach uh, Scott directly is uh, at Scott BBS. That's on Twitter. Or you can uh, go directly to the website, scottshilber.com. Uh, you can also uh, reach uh, me. I primarily look at the... Um, at Hacked Again Book and at BV Systems. Those are two Twitter accounts. If you uh, reach out to me, tweet me or DM me, whatever, I'll do my best to uh, answer whatever question you might have. Um, and if we, uh, if we read your question, if we answer your question on the show, then I think you're entitled to a free copy, free signed copy of uh, one of our uh, uh, cybersecurity books that we've been selling uh, on Amazon, available on Amazon, on our websites. We've been selling those for years now. Uh, a lot of great readers, got a lot of great feedback from them. So join join it, you know, join that group of people and uh, learn all about cybersecurity and how to stay safe. Uh, thanks for listening and tune in next week. Um, and we'll hopefully have another uh, new episode for you, packed with news and all those tips to stay safe. Uh, until next week, uh, this is Craig. All right. Signing Thanks, off. Craig. Yeah. And this is uh, Scott also here thanking everybody to all of our uh, listeners. And we're, we've got uh, several inquiries from, from uh, additional sponsors that want to sponsor our uh, podcast. And again, if, if you want to sponsor this podcast or our other video podcast, we'll keep you up at night. Certainly reach out to us and uh, we, we'd love to have a chat and uh, see how we could work with you. So thanks again. And everybody out there, please stay safe. Cyber.